We'll begin this morning by reading from Mark chapter 10, the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 2, verses 2 through 9. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 2, the Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning, from the beginning of creation, Mark 10, verse 6, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Let not man put asunder. Our focus this morning is on marriage. Marriage. Marriage is important to everybody, no matter where you're at or what is going on, what your status in life might be. Marriage is important to everyone. It's important, of course, because it's foundational. Okay? It holds the church together, it holds families together, it holds society together. Marriage is good to know about and think about because it's good for people individually, for emotional standpoints, and for physical standpoints, social standpoints, marriage is good. Even for single people, marriage is important. This guy in his 70s was asked about himself because he had been single all his life. So somebody asked him about his singleness. And he explained it this way. He said, the desirable has not been attainable, and the attainable has not been desirable. Therefore, he said, I decided to go through life wanting what I cannot have instead of having what I do not want. I thought that was a pretty good explanation. Are you guys out there today? Okay. Do I need to repeat that? That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Are you looking at me like this is about to be a serious statement? Okay. That was just a guy in his 70s who was trying to be lighthearted explaining his situation. It was a very good explanation, by the way. So... I want us to go and look at three different sections for our discussion this morning. The first section will be on the corrupt, confused culture regarding marriage. And then the second section will be the clarity of Christ and Scripture. And then we'll get to the third section in a moment. First, let's do a quick review of how confused and corrupt our culture is. We're not surprised that there's a big clash about this. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. We expect that there will be clashes from the standpoint of God and the standpoint of the world. And, and in marriage is one of the big illustrations of this clash. This clash. Let's do a little review. Back in 1970, okay, the culture was already beginning to change, going away from marriage. There was a songwriter back then. Her name was Joni Mitchell. And she wrote a little song called My Old Man. My Old Man. And in that song she said, My old man and me, we don't need no piece of paper from the city hall to keep us tied and true. My old man, he's going to keep away, keep away those blues uh, from me. Something like that. But back in that day, already, the culture was sliding away from marriage. We don't need no piece of paper. That was back in the day when you wanted to be free from responsibility and delight in your own kinds of love. Coming forward, 1984. This is more in the time of me and Matt and a few of you. Tina Turner, song person. Tina Turner, one touch of your hand makes my pulse react. And then she asked again and again, what's love got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do with it? What's love got to do, got to do with it? So back in 1970, we don't need no piece of paper. In 1984, we don't need any love. Coming forward to 2008, there was a movie put out called Simply hooking up, hooking up, is about casual encounters between strangers or not so strangers, but the encounter would involve no emotion, no tie-ups, no strings, just a quick encounter. So no paper, and then no emotion, and now no strings attached. But now in our day, those who absolutely have no right to marry, those of the homosexual persuasion and transgender persuasion, they now want a piece of paper. They want that piece of paper. They want it out here. They want to be legalized. They want it out in front. That is the state in a nutshell of our confused and corrupt culture. Not just confused, but in rebellion against God. And this is simply an illustration of everyone's favorite idol, which is self. Self is everyone's favorite idol, and this is a, an illustration of this. It's an expression of this favorite idol, because I want to do what I want to do. I want to be the one to decide what is right and wrong. I want to be the one who chooses what is going to be in my life and at the time that I want it in my life and when it's not going to be in my life. And of course, this is a clash against God because the Lord God says we deny ourselves, Matthew 16, 24, and we follow the example of Jesus. 
Jesus, according to Philippians 2 and verse 8, He humbled Himself, became obedient unto the cross, even, to, even unto death, even the death of the cross. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for it. So the Lord says... We humble ourselves. The Lord says we deny ourselves. The Lord says we give ourselves up. And there's a big clash between culture and God there. And one of the great passages on marriage is, is Hebrews 13 verse 4 that says, Let marriage be had in honor among all, and let the bed be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, marriage is to be had in, in honor among all, especially and not the least of all those that are married, are to honor that institution of marriage. Can you imagine watching a, a news show one evening, prime time, and then just before he or she closes her program, they, from underneath the desk, they get a Bible out and they read Hebrews 13 verse 4 and can encourage people and families to meditate and, and think about this passage. In our day, we cannot even imagine. In fact, we would just almost laugh at someone actually doing that. But that shows us just how confused and corrupt the culture is and what a tremendous clash there is between God and the world. Now, the second section of our study is to notice the clarity of Scripture, the clarity of Jesus on this. And that means all this is really clear. Okay. For example, the gender that God expects in marriage is very clear. We just read it there from Mark 10 and many other places. God made them male and female and then married them. So the gender is very very clear, crystal clear, crystal clear. What is more honest and truthful to say to a child? On the one hand, what if you said to that child, now, you keep um, listening, you keep thinking, and one day you'll discover what you are. Or is it more truthful and honest to look to a child and say, we are thankful God has made us in His image and He has made us in a fearful and wonderful way and we're going to follow Him all the days of our life so that we one day can be with him, home with Him in His house forever and ever. Which of those two is more truthful and honest to say? Of course, the latter one. The Bible is very clear on the gender and the Bible is also very clear on the number. He made them male and female way back in the beginning. God did not make a bunch of Eves for Adam to select from. He didn't make a bunch of Eves for Adam to have for a period of time and then get another Eve for another period of time. He made one man for one woman and for life. That's how he made it. So the number is very clear. The number is very clear. I like the way 
Jesus would refer back to the beginning because this is so foundational. So foundational. God is a God of order. Not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. And in the beginning, God established order. He established order in the physical universe. That's why a manned space station can orbit the earth going thousands and thousands of miles per hour. How can they do that? That's because they know that there are certain things that are going to be a certain way in this great universe. So they can figure out how to orbit the earth. In the same way, in the same way, in the beginning God created spiritual order. He created moral order. He created order to work out our behavior before Him. He made them male and female. It all started in the beginning when He made them male and female. He created mankind in His image and He established order at that time. Now, in the physical realm, if we violate God's order in the universe, if we climb up seven stories and we jump out a window, then that's going to bring harm to ourselves, probably to several other people. It's going to create confusion and chaos. So also in the spiritual realm of things. When we violate God's spiritual order that He has established, then it creates harm and destruction, confusion and chaos everywhere, and that's what we see. Now, mankind does not, has not. When we look at this world, when we look at our bodies, we look at this universe, we did not create this order that is here. We did not create the spiritual and the moral order that's here. We don't create the order, we discover it. And it doesn't take us long to discover all the order and the, the spiritual order that is in the universe and that's in us. And we look around, a little child can do that and figure out male, female, and how all this works. And put, they can put it together pretty fast. Now to our third section of study. And for this section of study on marriage, I want us to think about the marriage ceremony. The marriage ceremony. Do you take him, do you take her to be your lawfully wedded wife? To have and to hold from this day forward in sickness and in health. For richer, for poor, for better or for worse, do you take her? Ceremony. There would always be a ceremony. The very nature of the case, the very nature of the case that in the very beginning God brought the woman to the man. There has to be an occasion when the two will come together. When God says, Leave your father and mother and cleave unto your wife, there is an occasion there when that's going to happen. Ceremony, ceremony, ceremony. The ceremony is important, first of all, for community knowledge. I'm not a fan of this running off and getting married somewhere. Okay. 
I'm not a fan of getting married in some back room and then declaring some months later, hey, well, we're married. The ceremony is good for community knowledge. The community needs to know that these two people had a certain status before a certain day. They were single. They were clearly single. They were clearly pure in their relationship. A certain day is coming. And after that certain day, things change. Now, those two that were clearly single are now together in the same house, living together now. When they came down the aisle, they were in a different status. They were in one status. But then when they go up the aisle to leave the ceremony, they're now, a transaction has taken place. They're in a different status of life. They are now married. And for the sake of the community, for the sake of our examples, for the sake of our influence, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, 22, 19, 20, still says in there, abstain from all appearance of evil, abstain, stay away from every form of evil. We have our influence to think about. The ceremony is important. In this regard, the ceremony is also important because when we get married, we are making a pledge before God. We are making a pledge, a promise, a covenant, if you will, before God. It's not totally unlike when we become a Christian, we make the good confession. And we declare, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And after that, we're baptized into Christ and we begin our journey to heaven. In that confession and baptism, we are doing two things. We are making a plea to God that we need forgiveness of sins, but we're also pledging ourselves to His service in faithfulness and in sacrifice. When I say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I am pledging myself to follow Him all the days of my life. So, in marriage, we are pledging ourselves before God to perform these vows that are being said here at this ceremony. Now turn with me to the book of Proverbs for a second. Proverbs chapter 2. And notice that the writer is going to mention an adulterous woman, the forbidden woman that wisdom says that we need to stay away from. Proverbs 2 verse 16 talks about this forbidden woman who is an adulteress and she has her smooth words. But then verse 17 says this, Proverbs 2 17, this forbidden woman, she forsakes the companion of her youth and she forgets the covenant of her God. See? She forsakes the companion of her youth, and she forgets that covenant. What was that? When she said, I do. When she married when she was young. She's long forgotten that. And that is something that God definitely frowns on. Malachi now, chapter 2. Malachi... 
at the end of the Old Testament. The book of Malachi chapter 2 has a similar statement. Verses 14 and 15. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. I know that Malachi is using this kind of illustration for overall faithfulness, but notice what is implied here. The Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is a companion and your wife by covenant. When we say, I do, we are standing before God and telling God, I'm going to perform these vows to this woman or to, for this man and I am coveting, I am pledging before you, God. I am promising to you, God, that I am going to do this. But the marriage ceremony is more than that. It's a, it's a pledge to each other. It's a pledge to each other. Before God, it's a pledge to each other. Now, when I'm on stage... And there are two wanting to get married. And I'm doing the ceremony. And I ask, do you take him? Do you take her? I am not asking about how they feel. I'm not asking for their feelings. Okay. At that particular time, I'm not asking. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? We're not up here to discuss your feelings. We know you love each other. You, have, you, you dragged us all out here on a Saturday afternoon. You made us all get dressed up on a Saturday afternoon. It's pretty obvious you love each other. We're not here to discuss your love. We're not here to discover your story of how you found each other. Who cares about that? Not, not on that day. Not at that moment. Now we can discuss that later over coffee. But at that moment on the stage, we're not interested in your feelings. We're not interested in your story. We're interested in this. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Are you serious about this? Are you serious about this? Do you realize the this, this serious aspect of this? Are you pledging yourself? Are you willing to pledge yourself to her and to her only? For the remainder of your days on this earth. This is a pledge before God, but also to each other. Now, at this point, when you say I do, your status has changed. When you say I do, you are done. You are done. You are stuck. You are stuck when you say I do. You are in this for keeps. There's no way out of it. You are stuck. You say that's a terrible way of talking about marriage. Well, you'd be wrong about that. Because the Lord says, a man shall leave his father and mother and do what? Cleave unto her. 
And the, and the word there has some powerful roots. It means to be glued to. To be glued to. When you say I do, you get yourself stuck. You get yourself glued. I got myself glued and stuck 34 years ago yesterday. I got myself stuck and glued. I have been stuck and glued for 34 years to the same wonderful woman. 34 years. And many of you have gone further than that in your stuckness. But we are gloriously, affectionately, lovingly stuck. And that's just the way it is. We're stuck. And we ought to rejoice in our stuckness. But your status also, and this comes from the ceremony, your status also is one of security and safety. Because when you're making this pledge, you are bringing a great deal of security to your life, more than you really even understand. Emotionally, spiritually, you're bringing a set of circumstances into your life that is extremely favorable from God. A state of security and safety. You say, well, how do I know that He is still going to be here in five years? How do I know that He's not going to wander away? Because He promised. How do I know that that she's not going to find some other fellow? How do I know that, that the conditions of life and the hardness of labor is not going to cause her to be depressed and, and go elsewhere or to quit? Because she promised. That's how you know. She promised on that day. He promised on that day. And therein is our security. If someone is willing to promise and pledge before God on that day, therein is our security. But from the ceremony, there's also a great reminder. Great reminder. I guess on the conservative side of things, I've probably done 65 or 70 marriage ceremonies. I really haven't kept, kept up with them all. Most of them I just want to forget. Probably 70 ceremonies or so. Along the way, as most ministers do, you talk to couples who are having some problems. And when they come in, you can pretty much know what they're going to say before they say it. They're going to say, you wouldn't believe how much time he spends with the, with the remote control. You won't believe how much money she spent. You won't believe how much how emotional she is. You won't believe how, how tired we are at night. You won't believe how much time that we spend arguing. And so after a while you look to the one who's standing before you and you say, So what you're telling me is it's worse. It's worse. What you're telling me is it's worse than you thought it would be. 
Yes, that's it. It's worse. You wouldn't believe how much worse. I said, I would say to them, that's good. Because that's what you signed up for. Remember that day? You remember the deal? You remember the day of the ceremony? When you stood up there and said, I take you for better or for worse. For re- this is worse. This is us knowing this would come. This is worse. But remember, you're stuck. You're stuck. This is, this is what you signed up for. Okay. So go back home and work it out. Because you're stuck. We can see as we just glance at marriage this morning. That what the Bible teaches comes in conflict with what the culture promotes. We can see though that this conflict does not come because there's a misunderstanding of the Bible. The Bible is very, very clear about this. And one way of putting all this together is to go back to the day that we were married. And remember all the lessons that come from that ceremony. And there is a corresponding parallel to our relationship with God. As we come to God, we are making a pledge to Him. And when we fall away, or if we have a tendency to fall away, we need to think about those first days. At least that's what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, to the church at Ephesus. He says, you have left your first love. Repent. He didn't say that's okay. Go find yourself another love. He says, remember, remember, remember that day. Remember where you have fallen, from which you have fallen. And repent and go back and do the first works. We need to do that with our relationship with the Lord and with the relationship in our families and between husbands and wives. Marriage. It is a blessed union. It is from God. And one of the great ways that we can show God's love is to so live in our families that people see the love of God in our families. And it begins right there in the marriage relationship. This morning we are not just thinking about marriage, but we are calling ourselves back to God, aren't we? Because God has established a way of life. And we must be aware of that and be humble enough to submit to Him. If we can help you with any spiritual need today, please make that known right now as we stand together and as we sing.